Hi, this is Robert Schuler with Melissa's Produce, and you're listening in on Cord Vines and Dye. This is Lee Rocker, and you're listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. Happy Sunday. Hey, Kat, how are you? I'm fine, Tom. How are you? I am wonderful. We've had another amazing week, weekend, and... Uh, busy, busy. <laughs> no kidding. Our friends look at us and go, do you ever stop? <laughs> you know, and I really don't think we're doing all that much. I mean, we are, but we're not. It's, we could be doing a lot more, but I've but, just been home working and getting stuff ready for Sassy Mama's events coming up. And we went to Rick and Patty's uh, jam yesterday. Oh, How was much it that fun? Yeah, it was great. And then we celebrated our friend Tony and Debbie's birthdays. Yes. So I guess we have been kind of... Kind of busy. Kind of busy and on the go. And this coming week, or pretty much between now and the end of the year, we've got a lot of oh, events it, coming it's up. It's going to be a whirlwind. Crazy, crazy. But I'm looking forward to it all and spending the time with you. Oh, and, and right back at you. Uh, and I'm looking forward to Wednesday when we are going to open two bottles of Wine of the Sea. I can't wait. In a nutshell, Wine of the Sea was a concept that somebody had. They take bottles of wine and they put them in a metal cage and then submerge them 100 feet underwater in the ocean. And you go, well, what difference does that make? Well, it's got a constant temperature and it's got atmospheric pressure. If you're down 100 feet underwater, there's a lot of force, a lot of pressure. And both of those things impact how wine ages. So we have two bottles. One is a Suave, an Italian white, and then we have an Amarone, which is uh, briefly, they take red wine grapes, they dehydrate them, they put them out in the sun, let them completely dry out, and then they rehydrate them, and then they make wine out of them. That is incredible. I've never heard of that till yeah. you told me about that, and I think that is just absolutely fascinating. I want to, can't wait to try, taste that. And the bottles, they've got like coral oh. and barnacles little and wormy like things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see where they've eaten the labels away, and it's really wild. Do you know? Uh, I have some friends that had a winery down here in San Diego. You know, there was called Fifty Friends. Oh, oh cool! Yeah, I remember you telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, and they would take bottles, you know, empty bottles, and they would throw them in the yard. Uh, any of the used bottles. So I would take some bottles down there and throw them in the yard and let the snails eat sure. the labels off. Yeah, win-win. The snails have a nice meal and yeah, your bottles are clean. Uh, they are, but it's like snails, something I always try to get rid of in my yard, and they were encouraging it, but it was really funny. So you won't be ordering escargot anytime soon? No, I uh, <laughs> I have a hard time with that. It's something I'm trying to get rid of in my yard. I really don't want to eat, although I know it's not the same, but it's still... Not. We've got uh, some uh, fascinating guests today. We're going to start off with Jonathan Ross. He and his wife, Jane, uh, wrote a book called How to Drink Australian, an Essential Modern Wine Book. And then we have Stephanie Franklin, who started Fly Wines. It's a black-owned business, and she has, uh, it's not a wine club, it's a wine. Oh, I can't remember exactly what she oh. called that. Anyway, she uh, she'll, we have these little bottles uh and we're Big, drinking them now. Yeah, and very good. We drank two while we were uh, talking with her, and we have a Sangiovese and a Cabernet that we're going to drink throughout the show. Yeah, can't wait. Finally, a longtime friend of mine, Michael, Dr. Michael Higgins. Uh, Michael published a, a magazine called Flying Adventures. He's a private pilot, and uh, he's started a series of books called Exploring Wine Regions, and they're just beautiful his pictures photographs are just incredible and he took all the photos he visited over a hundred wineries and he not only talks about the wineries does wine pairings uh places to stay Mm -hmm. uh places to eat 
Oh, uh, gosh. Beautiful, beautiful book. He's, All these people we have on the show, I just love to, you know, I'm living vicariously yeah. through them, and especially he, with Michael. He's on his way. Matter of fact, as we speak, he's in Mexico. He took off Friday, and uh, that'll be his next book is uh, Mexico, The Wines of Mexico. So we'll definitely have him back on the show for that. That's good. We have uh, known each other well over 10 years, and we haven't seen each other in five or six. So that was nice to reconnect. And you two are going to share a bottle of wine when Yes, when well, the when three of us, back. hopefully, when yes. it comes back. That would be fun. So our oh, uh, before we go any further, our show is uh, brought to you uh, by Melissa's Produce, our official produce sponsor, melissas.com. And I think my fingers are tightly crossed that I'm getting my turban squash this week. So I'll oh, make good. my turban squ- uh, squash Caribbean spicy soup or stew, whatever it is. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's that time of year. Yep. Because I like soups all year, but that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Beautiful turbans, beautiful and gourds. Don't we have Robert Schuler from November first? Yes, November first, we'll have Robert back, and he'll uh, send us a, a box of fall goodies. And ooh, I can't wait! I yeah. love his. It's like a like Christmas every year. We get a package from Robert. He's, I love it. He's an encyclopedia of produce. Uh, he is. He really is. So our first guest today is Jonathan Ross. He's the one, he and his wife wrote the uh, How to Drink Australian. And uh, somehow the electronic gremlins uh, climbed into the equipment and we missed the, maybe the first 30 seconds where he was introducing himself. He's a, a master sommelier, and which is a quite an achievement yes. in itself. There are uh, less than, I think, 400 in the world. Uh, it may be a little more than that now, but uh, wow. he is one of them. And he and his wife are both. And uh, so let's join our conversation with Jonathan Ross and learn how to drink Australian. After just months of being on the ground in Australia, we realized that uh, what we had been exposed to, had been taught, had been tested about, uh, had been marketed to about Australian wine in the U.S. was um, really represented only about 8% of of the different producers and and regions across the country. So um, how to drink Australian is essentially... Uh, we approached it from writing a book that we wish we had when we were studying wine for an exam, but at the same time, something that hopefully tells the story to a broader audience, uh, because as Decanter has obviously identified, there's a lot of really wonderful wines that are being produced in Australia. I would think that the average person, when they hear Australian wine, they're going to think Shiraz, but there's <laughs> so much more than Shiraz in Australia, isn't there? There really is. It's, it's a extremely diverse landscape of wine production, more so than we could imagine, and, and, and so much more than so many other countries. Australia has had kind of the thought and, and the, the confidence and the gumption to work with grape varieties that are grown from around the world, whether it's Italian grapes, Spanish grapes, French grapes, uh, and beyond to uh, robust rootstocks and so on. So. Um, it really is exploring every corner of the wine world in one place. Well, I'm certainly uh, familiar with Penfolds, and I know they, uh, they're known for their Shiraz and their Cab Shiraz blends, but uh, tell us about some of the perhaps lesser-known wineries and wine regions of Australia. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think kind of continuing on with the idea of all these different grape varieties, there's a family uh, called the Chalmers family, C-H-A-L-M-E-R-S. And they really spearheaded the original plantings of many Italian grapes uh, across Australia, starting in their nursery uh, in a region called Mildora or Murray Darling, 
in uh, northern Victoria. Um, the book starts out dividing states and, and subdividing wine regions through that, and it's really the easiest way to go about learning about Australian wines. So the state of Victoria, where this family is, uh, is where Melbourne is. It's in the southeastern corner, just across the water from Tasmania. And they host about 20, uh, pardon me, 75 different Italian grapes in their nursery. Um, and really everything from Fiano and Pecorino and Greco for whites to Meridavola and Sangiovese and Alianico for reds. And um, they just really deliver freshness and brightness with a lot of value too. Um, so I'd start there. And then another producer that we really um, kind of have come to, to love is a producer named Murdoch Hill. Um, which works with more classic French varieties that we know of, like Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, Syrah or Shiraz and Cabernet Sauvignon. But they do them in really kind of moderate, more kind of savory, more easy drinking, lower alcohol approaches to wine than maybe the big kind of blasphemous Penfold style that we're familiar with. Are these wines readily available in the U.S.? They absolutely are. We have to try to find some, Tom. Absolutely, I'm game. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I I only know really of one or two Australian wines, and I really need to educate myself on some more. All right, that's a mission for Cords, Vines, and Dines. Yes, we're gonna have to do that. What are your top wines that you personally like? Well, I always say that I have an occupational relationship with wine. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I've been working with it for so long that I see. Uh, most wines of the world or really every wine in the world has a place on someone's table. I firmly believe that. And I think that the biggest challenge or the purpose of a wine professional is to make sure that, you know, or continue to grow the amount of tables that wine can appear on because we think that wine is one thing or, or, or another, and it, it really can be uh, whatever it needs to be for the individual. Um, I gravitate towards uh, dry German Rieslings mm. when I'm not drinking Australian wine. Um, I like Northern Italian reds. Um, but I believe that Australia is uh, the greatest wine producing country in the world. And I've bet my master sommelier credential and my house on it. Wow. Um, so, uh, and, and that's why we write a book about it. That's why we took our livelihoods and started an import business on it. Um, it is extremely diverse from a production standpoint. It operates in a much more sustainable and equitable way than pretty much any other wine producing country in the world and does so at a, a greater value and price point uh, than most. So, Jonathan, do you uh, have a website where our listeners can uh, order some of the wines that you import? So in the U.S., we can't sell wines directly. Um, but Jane and I started a business when we returned from Australia called Legend Imports. Uh, legend is a word you hear every day in Australia. The Australians are very complimentary of each other. So <laughs> if you get someone a coffee or open a door for someone, you're a legend. Uh, <laughs> and our website for that imports portfolio is legendaustralia.com. Uh, we sell to state wholesalers. So sure. we are strictly a, a, a business to business uh, kind of wholesaler. Uh, operation, but we do dozens and dozens and dozens of events at restaurants and consumers around the country. Jane right now is on the road in D.C. and she has a wine, wine dinner tonight. Uh, I'll be in Phoenix next week doing the same. So you can always catch us somewhere 
uh, pouring Australian wine and talking about it. The next time you're in Southern California, we uh, would love to hook up with you. That would be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. What an exciting life. That just seems so wonderful. <laughs> we're, we're trying to make the most of it. Jonathan, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. What are your suggestions? What are your recommendations? Well, I think it's interesting. Riesling always kind of gets pigeonholed into this sweet, light-bodied wine that you drink with dessert for over the summer. And classic Australian Riesling is dry. And I would urge people to seek out a bottle of dry Riesling. It goes really well with tart things like cranberry sauce, um, but then also, you know, a lighter meat like turkey doesn't necessarily need a big red wine and it's refreshing and bright and like i said australian riesling's always dry so if you like more of a maybe more mild you know uh aromatic white wine that's not oaky i would go in that direction jonathan uh, this has been a wonderful visit and uh, i can highly recommend your book to our uh, listeners how to drink australian thank you so much that was uh absolute labor of love that took us about two and a half years and um we're just really uh we're really just overjoyed that it's out in the world and and has had such a wonderful response and appreciate you taking the time to have a look at it how can our listeners get their hands on it uh well the title of the book how to drink australian is also a website and we can ship you signed copies through that website Otherwise, I would look on bookshop.org to order online, just like Amazon, but independent bookshops. Or you can go to indiebounds.org to find a local bookshop. And if you're completely flat out, Amazon (laughs) always has it. (laughs) Jonathan, can't thank you enough, and we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. And that was Jonathan Ross, and uh, the book is How to Drink Australian. I could drink Australian. <laughs> you could drink, I could drink anything. <laughs> French, Italian. No, I do like Australian wines, the few that I've had. And I do like Spanish wines. Yeah, Italian wines. And Italian and French mm-hmm. and Californian. And, okay. And German. <laughs> there you go. So we, have, we didn't have a musical guest this week. No, but we have had our share of them in this season. And uh, we're going to listen to some music from... Buzz Campbell or Lee Walker? Buzz Campbell. Party of One? Party of One. We just had Buzz on the show <laughs> not too long ago, but I love his music, and I, he is such a, a wonderful person. Uh, our new friend. Yeah, and the uh, what a show he, he put on opening for Lee Walker and then playing mm-hmm. with Lee Walker at Wayne's Winery recently. Oh, it was great. Yeah. It, we had so much fun that night. I'll never forget. We're all out there dancing with That's our right. friends, and we had a good time. All right, shall we get into Party of One? Let's do it. Buzz Campbell on Chords, Vines, and Dines. Can't stay home tonight, so I go out for a bite. But it just don't look right. It's no fun, cause people stare at me sympathetically. When I tell the mater d, I'm a party of one. I get home each night and leave on a light, wishing she'd forgive things I've done. But every day goes by, not to my surprise, I've come to realize I'm a party of one. 
Buzz Campbell on chords, vines and dines. What a Tex-Mex flavor that has Don't to it. Don't just want to get up and dance. Yeah, and he did that of, when we saw him at Wings. Yeah. I just wanted to get up and kind of dance yeah, around. Yeah, that's have fun music. It is. He and is if, so good. If you get the chance to see uh, Buzz Campbell, if you see that he's performing anywhere, uh, jump on it. Because um, what a guitarist. He's phenomenal. If Lee Rocker's playing, you could almost be assured that Buzz Oh, is, yeah. Buzz will be there. Yeah. In fact, Lee's playing at the Coach House, I believe, in December. I believe you're right. So we might have to try and get out to that one. I think we should do that. Maybe get a hold of our friends at the Coach House. Yes. All right. Are you ready for the game of food? I'm never ready for the game of food, but we can go I'm going to kick you off with ingredients. Okay. I'm ready. (laughs) Though it's sometimes called Boston butt, this versatile cut doesn't come from a pig's behind. Where does it come from, Boston butt? The shoulder... The loin, the untrimmed ribs, or the jowl? Boston butt. Oh, my God. Do you know the answer without looking? You you don't know it either. Okay, so I don't feel so. I would say the jowl. Shoulder. Shoulder. Mm -hmm. Oh, my other choice would have been loin. (laughs) You would have been doubly wrong. Yeah. Okay, regional dishes. All right. Unlike the English muffin and Canadian bacon that go into a plate of Eggs Benedict, an order of New Orleans eggs sardou mm. starts with A, fried oysters, and remoulade. 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 Cornbread and breakfast sausage, artichoke hearts, and creamed spinach, or rice and beans. Well, I'm torn between two, but I'm going to go with my first instinct, which is oysters. Eh. Uh, then it would be the... Um, <laughs> now I drew a blank. 
Either cornbread and breakfast sausage, artichoke hearts. And artichoke cream. hearts. That's it. Okay. I'm surprised. I wouldn't think artichoke hearts and cream spinach. Oh, sounds good to me. It does sound good. I just wouldn't think that for uh, New Orleans. All right. Finally, for you, people and pop culture. So I think we're both zip. We're, we Neither one of us has gotten one right. Right. Everyone remembers the line, where's the beef from the fast food commercial? But do you know what chain the commercial was advertising? Is it A, McDonald's, B, Wendy's, C, Burger King, or D, Carl's Jr.? I think Burger King. <clears throat> oh. Wendy's. Was it Wendy's? Yep. Where's, um, where's the beef? Clara, Clara oh, Pell. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. Made her fame. Okay, cooking tools and techniques. All right. I actually have a shirt that says, where's the beef on it? Okay. Let's see if one of us can get an answer right. Actually, that shirt, I wore it when I was pregnant with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gave it to me. Cooking tools and techniques. All right. Which of these Latin American foods do you traditionally cook on a comal? C-O-M-A. Comal, yeah. Thin cuts of meat, dried beans, tortillas, or large stews? Tortillas. You're right. Yay, one of us got one right. Well, we'll be for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our next guest is the founder of Fly Wines. Her name is Stephanie Franklin. Uh, didn't you just love visiting with her and, and the whole story about how, behind how she founded the company? And she really wasn't planning to do anything like this. She just liked wine and started hanging around uh, wine people, and one thing led to another. Well, it was during the COVID lockdown. Exactly, another and, business that was born out of COVID. I know everybody has a lot of, ne- I mean, and I'm not knocking down, there. there is a lot of negative that came out of that lockdown, but look at the positives that yep. came out too. And I think it's fabulous what she's done, and she continues to do it, and the fact too about the Turkish wines. Yes, I can't wait. Hope we get to taste those. Anyway, yeah. she's partnered with a winery called Fortino. Uh, mostly out of the Santa Clara Valley, and we're drinking her Sangiovese now. So we got a little four-pack. We had two while we were conversing with her, and we're going to open the uh, Cabernet while we're listening to our visit with Stephanie Franklin. You ready? Yep. Hey, Kat. We have a very fun guest uh, with us on the phone. Her name is Stephanie Franklin, and she has a company called Fly Wines. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit uh, before we get in. We're actually going to taste some of your wines, but tell us how how Fly Wines came to be. I wish there was some grand way that we came about, but it was the middle of the pandemic. Everyone was social distancing. I was in Haight-Ashbury at the time, so some friends and I were just out um, just drinking and also social distancing, having some wine. And one of my friends just said, oh, I have this wine tasting box, but the wine is horrible. Ah. And the wines were 100% horrible. And then I also realized when they give you more wine, more than likely they're all going to be bad. So they're hoping you'll at least like a couple of them. And a light bulb went off. And I was like, you know what? I think we could do the best of both worlds. We could have great packaging and high-quality wine. Um, And it was interesting because her and her husband at the time, they were uh, playing around making wines in Santa Cruz. So I was like, oh, and then we could have you guys' wine in the box. And she's like, okay. But, uh, yeah, it kept going. And the team and I just kind of came together naturally. Uh, and it was one of those things to where once the ball gets rolling, it gets rolling. 
did the paperwork, the necessary paperwork with ABC. I didn't know who ABC was at the time. <laughs> I didn't know anything about TTV. I didn't know why the FDA had anything to do with wine. Um, so I'm just extremely grateful for the people that guided us along the way with that knowledge um, because it was very genuine. I would come to people and let them know, hey, I really know nothing, so please be patient with me. And they took the time to really educate me on different ways and how to go about it. So, yeah, so that's how the whole vision started <laughs> and came about. Well, we received a, a lovely box uh, from you. The packaging is, uh, may I just say, your packaging is incredible, Stephanie. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. And that was our aim and goal. We wanted not only to have great packaging, but high quality wine and to give you a luxurious feel at home. Kat and I have the 2022 uh, Fortino Pinot Grigio in our glasses. It's got a wonderful nose and it tastes delicious. Thank you. They'd love to hear that. Fortino has actually been a wine around for over 50 years. Uh, they've been in Gilroy, California. The goal was to focus on different areas as well as countries and independent wineries that don't get a huge amount of representation. I myself moved to the Bay Area, and the only thing I knew about is Noma, uh, Napa and Sonoma. Of course. That's it. There's so many different wine regions around it. So we're looking for wine partners. Fortino was the perfect partner. They have great wines, and just the history behind the brand is amazing. How many different wines do they produce? I know you sent us a uh, the Pinot Grigio, there's a Rosé, there's a Sangiovese, and I believe a Cabernet. Yes, and a cab. I think they do about 20. Oh, wow. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, they do a lot of different ones. They play around with the different ones as well. They have like raspberry. Uh, we, we curate every box that we make and every wine that we bring over is curated. We have a Somme in-house Somme Giuliano. He's a, like about fourth generation Somme. So I always say he doesn't count because he's Italian and it's in his blood. <laughs> but he does count. He's a level three, so he is pretty high up. You, you, hard to get much three. higher than level three unless you're a master. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he does a great job, and we curate every box and everything to so, make sure that it's a great combination of wines. So you are a wine club, is, am I correct? We are doing developing our wine subscription club. That's okay. going to be launched next month. We are a, we just saw that dot club because it sounded very like community focused, somewhere where you want to come and hang out and we wanted everyone to feel very inclusive and know that we're a place to hang out. But we are developing the wine subscription line, which will be launching next month. And that's where we'll have a subscription service to our international wines. And those are going to be full bottles of wines. Okay, in the box you're seeing now, that box is actually curated to teach your taste buds going because we noticed that people find it very difficult and daunting to purchase a bottle of wine or even if you're by yourself you know i don't want a full bottle i just want a little taste i want to sample different ones or you can be very indecisive like me 90 percent of the time <laughs> and just like i don't know which one i want i would well, just love to sample them all with 20 different wines you've got something in there that's going to appeal to everybody that's great Yes, yes. We're focused on those uh, four that you have in the box now for Fortino, but our next phase, we will be having other flavors as well, too, from Fortino. 
Well, it's a brilliant concept. You don't want to make a commitment. So get to know the wine, have a little splash of it, and then go, wow, I like this one. I'm going to order more of that. Correct. And you're welcome to come to our website and order the full bottle. But we don't want to forget those people that just not even not wine people. They just want to taste a little <laughs> and just move on and to have that luxurious feel at home. The website is flywines.com. Is that correct? Dot club, C-L-U-B. Mm. So not dot com, it's flywines.club. Yes. Oh, that's clever. Okay, we're going to move yeah. on to the rosé, Stephanie, and it just says uh, Vin Rosé on the label. What what can you tell me about the, the grapes, or can you? <laughs> this rosé is very special. The reason being is because you'll notice that the color on it is different mm -hmm. because uh, Fortino makes that great of their wine their rosé wines from Malbec grapes. Oh, okay. So it'll give you a different color. So you need to know, a lot of people don't know, you can make rosé out of different different grapes. You can. So because of that, it changes the color, and it's very much so fruit-forward. Mm. When you taste that one, you can taste it. And people really love it. It's one of those that pairs very well with, like, duck, kind of, like, gamey type of meat. Be perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's definitely fruit forward, and it's a, a very nice rosé, and the color is beautiful, Stephanie. Yes, yes, that's what people love, that rosé. <laughs> so this is from the Santa Clara Valley, is that correct? Yes, it's from Fortino, I think they get their grapes, I mean, from Santa Clara Valley, but that's where it is all from the Fortino and what I think we'll do, if it's okay with you, is we've uh, still got a bottle of Sangiovese and a bottle of Cab. Uh, when we uh, put the show together on Sunday, we'll open those and talk about those while we're doing the show. Oh, that will be great. The Sangiovese and the Cab, um, yeah, I just love them. I, I'm actually very enthusiastic about all the wines that we have, even the international wines coming in. We partner with businesses as well, too, um, so four or five-star restaurants. So, Nate, everything that we've given to them, they're like, you haven't brought us any bad wines. Everything has been top-notch, and I love to hear that. Absolutely. Because you're talking about people that know their wines. How did you get your wine knowledge? <laughs> and uh, I've just been so grateful to have a lot of friends that are psalms around me, and they would just share their knowledge with me. Um, Juliano, Juliano, who's our product as well as some in terms of our, our wine tasting, I would always just soak up all the knowledge that he has. When we, we first met as friends, so before this whole idea even started, I always wanted to know more. <laughs> so it's just one of those things. I enjoy personally the complexity of wine and understanding and trying to uncover the different notes that are beneath it all. Because once you your palate starts to develop more, you notice different things. <laughs> like, oh, this is very vanilla forward. Oh, this is much more black pepper forward. This has low tannins, or this has very high tannins. <laughs> oh, your your knowledge is incredible. I would have thought you had been way up there on the on the psalm list. <laughs> no, I definitely am not. It just comes from great people around me that supply us, give me that knowledge and provide that because they, I think they can just see I genuinely like to know. So they get excited about sharing information to people that are genuine about enhancing their wine knowledge and that's one thing that we're focused on as well is the wine education portion so we're going to be actually 
next month launching our virtual events, not only for businesses, because we already do virtual wine tastings for businesses, but also to our just everyday consumers. So you'll be able to come to our website, purchase a box, and actually purchase a link to participate in our live wine tasting. How, That'd be fun. How much fun. The nice thing about learning about wine, Stephanie, is there's no limit. You, you, there, you can't ever learn all there is to learn. You, you keep learning. Oh, 100%. I learned something. We have a Turkish wine coming in, which I'm extremely excited about. Wow. Never about Turkish wine. And the Turkish wine that we have come in is by two brothers. One's a chef and the other's a geologist. And he resurrects grapes that are like 300, 500 B.C., so to taste those different grapes and to see exactly what's happening within the wine and the complexity of how winemaking has changed from those grapes from hundreds of years ago is amazing. Well, that's something I would really like to taste someday. Yes, yes, yeah, that will definitely be, that's our second launch that will have to happen later this year. And it will be a part of the wine subscription program as well once it launches. Stephanie, we can't thank you enough for your time and for uh, sharing those beautiful wines with us. And uh, we wish you nothing but success. Thank you so much. And thank you again for having me. I'll, we'll stay in touch, Stephanie. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. What a, ni what a nice woman, Kat. She is. Boy, you can just feel her energy. Stephanie Franklin from Fly Wines. And if you'd like to find more, again, it's flywines.club. That's that's interesting. That should be easy to remember. And her packaging. I mean, we got this uh, box, and it's really beautifully put together. We'll post the uh, picture. Yeah, and we did taste the uh, Sangiovese and the Cabernet. Well, uh, we were listening to the, and, and uh, I think the Cabernet is quite nice. Yeah. All of her wines are quite good. They are good. Well, we of course, cab, both, I'm a cab person, so. We both really loved the uh, Pinot Grigio we had while we were visiting. Oh, yeah. And I'm not really a big white wine person, but that was really good. Yep. And, you know, I'm really partial to cabs, and this I is a really nice that. cab, too. All right. I'll remind you that Cords, Vines, and Dines, uh, Melissa's Produce, is the official produce sponsor. Are they really? They really are, they, and it's oh, now fall. It? it feels like fall. Don't you love the weather? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's getting better. <laughs> well, it was, well it was too warm this last week, but yeah, nice. But, you could feel the fall in the air well i think it's 73 outside now you, yeah, you can't ask for now. much better than that oh i know i love it now i wish it could be like this all year i wish so too and i, I don't remember how i heard about this i think i got a notification on facebook that michael higgins had just published a book called exploring wine regions that's the series and this book is called the central coast of california it is almost 430 pages almost exactly 430 pages, 431 pages, um, 800 plus color photographs, all of them taken by Michael, uh, visits to 102 wineries, some of them with uh, uh, excellent tourism, and you'll hear his definition of tourism uh, when we visit, 60 restaurants, uh, food and wine pairings at the wineries, detailed maps. Uh, Michael has done an extraordinary job, and as we speak, he's in Mexico, working on his next book, which will be out next year on Exploring Wine Regions, Mexico. Do you want to go into his interview now, or do you want to hear Gringo? Let's go into his interview and uh, finish the show with uh, Bill Payne and Little Feet doing Gringo. Well, well we've got that, and also uh, Paul Thorne. Oh, that's right. 
So let's, yeah, let's go into Gringo, and from Gringo, we'll go straight into Michael Higgins. Thank you. Woo-wee. Uh-huh. 
Attacked. Billy Payne. Richie Hayward on drums. Sean Murphy. I'm thrilled to have our next guest, Michael Higgins, on the show. Michael, we go back at least 15 years, don't we? A long time, Tom. Nice to nice to be on the air here with you. Thank you. We're delighted to have you. And you've just published a book called Cats uh, Holding It Up Now, so I can't see the title. It is the Central Coast of California Exploring Wine Regions. And this is what, number five in a series? It's number three. Okay. The series is called Exploring Wine Regions. The first one was Argentina. The second one was Bordeaux, France. And this third one is the California Central Coast. It is simply stunning, Michael. You go so in-depth on the California coast. And I have you know, you. visited a few times but never have gone in-depth like you have uh, in this book. Uh, not only wineries, restaurants, food and wine pairings, bravo. Well, thank you very much. A lot of time goes into them. That's I'm glad obvious. you appreciate it. Your photography is incredible in here. Oh, my gosh. You took all the photos, right, Michael? I did. I did. Thank you, Kat. I mean, you know what? My greatest love of the book is the photography. I mean, I write it because I have to write it, but the love is the photography. I mean, there's, of, of in the course. book you have, there's 800 photos. Wow. And how many different wineries? Is it over 300? Oh, my gosh. No, it's not three. There's 600 wineries in the Central Coast, if I remember this correctly. And, and I have maybe 100 of them. And I'm focusing on, in on those that have great wine and great tourism. They need to have both. Define what you mean by great tourism, Michael. Well, if all you do is step up to the bar and taste some wine, that's too boring. 
<laughs> I, I want them to have activities for people, you know, food and wine experiences. Um, so, you know, a lot of them have restaurants, places to stay in the vineyards, horseback riding. You know, th- there's more than just the tasting of the wine. Absolutely. That's what tourism is. I couldn't agree with you more. What are some of your favorites? Ha! <sighs> <laughs> Can I say all of them? <laughs> sure. It's, it's your platform. Well, you know what? I mean, this book, you know, you, you, you see all the work that went into it. It's three years of work. Uh, yeah, so I'm not surprised. I went to every place you see. And, and it's eye-opening. I mean, I live in California. I've been to all these places like you have, and there was so much eye-opening. You know, let's just take Monterey County. I mean, I think a lot of people have been to Monterey. It's beautiful. It's got the famous golf course and the bay and stuff. But do you realize that they have as much vineyards as Napa Valley? That's how significant they are to the wine industry. And I think a lot of people overlook that. And they've got that very famous uh, uh, Santa Lucia Highlands appellation for Pinot Noir that's amazing, amazing. Uh, Santa Maria as well, correct? And Santa Maria. Santa Maria is in the Santa Barbara County. Okay. So Santa Barbara County, San Luis Obispo County, which includes Paso Robles, and Monterey County. Those are the three. Those are the three places. And a lot of people know Paso Robles, not maybe realizing it's San Luis Obispo County. Yes, correct. And if you haven't been to Paso Robles lately, that place is amazing, exploding with lots of food. I mean, to me, you have to have wine to eat food and to, you know, to eat food, you'd have to have wine. And they've really put it together. I mean, there's two Michelin star restaurants in Paso Robles now. Wow. Many wineries have restaurants, incredibly good restaurants. They get wine tourism, don't they? They do. But, you know, just take the rest of San Luis Obispo. It's like Edna Valley, which is the coldest appellation in all of California. The Chardonnay there is so much more like Burgundy. It's incredibly delicious. And they have a brand-new appellation, which is called the Slow Coast ABA, to sort of represent this really cold environment for growing the cold varietal wines which is you know the chardonnay the pinot noir the cold syrah really good stuff you could spend months uh visiting uh different wineries and still not have caught them all correct and tom i tried (laughs) (laughs) i know you did michael what's next what's next is mexico wow You know, I started this book thinking California, so I included Baja, California, because it's California, just a different country. And they have a wine region down there that is incredible. It's called Valle de Guadalupe, and they have the same kind of benefits of the cold Pacific Ocean coming into their valley, just like Napa and the rest of the valleys, you know, along the central coast. So once I decided to make it a central coast book, well, they didn't fit. And I thought, let's do a Mexico book. Valle de Guadalupe is incredible. The food is amazing. The wines are just getting better and better. I mean, they've got some extraordinary wines. And look at the ratings that are now coming from them. 
And I'm adding a second region in Mexico, which is uh, Guanajuato. It's, it's in the center of Mexico, north of Mexico City, in the mountains, mm. high elevation vineyards. Um, it, that is where this town called San Miguel de Allende is located. Sure. It's a spectacular, beautiful, it's a UNESCO little village that, you know, cobblestone streets and this is going to be an amazing little book and I'm almost done already. You know, normally these books take me three to four years and I guess I got a head start on Valle de Guadalupe. So I'll publish it next year. And then after that is Greece. Oh, wow. I lived in Baja, California, uh, just about an hour north of Ensenada 20 years ago. So I had the privilege of exploring the Valle de Guadalupe quite a few years ago and it is a magical place. Yes. Wow. It would be great to live there. What a place. And I'd love to go. You know, to here's, here's an interesting quote okay. from, from, from a man who owns two wineries and one restaurant. He said to me, the quality of food in Valle de Guadalupe is so extraordinary that they're leading the way so that the winemakers can catch up. Wow. Wow. And the food's amazing. I mean, it's 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 not Mexican food. It's it's like Michelin. Michelin's going to find them because it's it's that kind of great food that you would you would easily um, find in Beverly Hills at a fraction of the price. Well, if you ever need a second or third backup photographer, we volunteer. Okay, you're in. <laughs> Terrific. It's just beautiful. I can't get over everything in your book. It is just absolutely gorgeous. Well, thank you. You know, the, the, the printed books are beautiful coffee table books, as you can see. But it's really an insider's travel guide so you know the best places to go to and have all the contact information. And, and you know what? It's not just printed, but there's also a digital book. We call it our travel, digital travel edition that Apple and Amazon sell that when you look at a winery, you see how on the wineries it's got their name and their address and their phone number and their website and their email. Well, in our travel edition, they're all active, meaning you don't have to take the beautiful book with you. It's big and heavy and you don't want to ruin it. But with the digital book, you just click on the address and maps opens up and you can navigate to the winery. Click on the phone number and you're calling the winery. You know, it's it's incredible. Wow, that's great. So that really helps. But, you know, in terms of getting the books, I mean, of course, Amazon and um, Barnes and & Noble, but your small wine shops and bookstores, um, if you know about discoverybooks.com, they have all of our books there. Easy to get our books. Or go to our website, which is exploringwineregions.com. And if you go there, I'll autograph them. Hey, there you go. Good. Michael, you've done an extraordinary job. I can't thank you enough for sharing your time with us and uh, have fun in Mexico. Well, thank you. I leave on Friday for the, the, the fifth trip. Oh. Terrific. I can't wait to see the book when it comes out. Well, thank you for talking with me today. And let's have a glass of wine or a bottle when you come back. I'm ready. All right, Michael. Take care. Thank you, Tom. Thank, Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Michael.
Well, now you've gotten to meet my friend Michael Higgins. I he wonderful. He is yeah. such a good good guest. We all all three of them are all great guests today. And he had just published a book on Argentina when I when the two of us last saw each other several years ago. I think it was 2016. But that book is just amazing. So I just love the photos in it. Well, being yeah. a photographer, it's yeah. like I didn't even read it all. I just looked at the photos, and, and the thing is, it's looking at the photos makes you want to try that wine. Well, we're going to have to plan that a region. trip to the uh, Central Coast, spend a hangout for a few days. Well, gee, twist my arm. <laughs> okay. Let's let's do that. We could have fun. You think? Yeah. <laughs> we always have fun. Well, thanks for listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. We have a couple of uh, exciting guests next uh, week. Yes, we do. We're going to taste wine of the sea. I, I can't wait. wait. Oh, ooh, 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 I can't wait. And uh, aside from that, uh, Eldon. Eldon, yes, from the Gunboat Kings. Yes, I can't wait to. Eldon is such a nice person and such are, a talented. Yeah. The whole Gunboat Kings. So. Yeah. And uh, Cords, Vines, and Dines. Uh, Melissa's Produce is our official produce sponsor. Thank you, Robert Schuler. He'll be uh, on with back on with us in a couple of weeks. And we also have um, another guest, Nick Haritatos. Yes. What a, it's a true story of challenge and courage across three continents. And he's on, I believe, on the 1st of November. So yeah. not next week, but the following week. Yep. Uh, and his book is called No Limits. No Limits. And the uh, foreword was written by Jack Canfield. If that name doesn't jump out at you, he and Mark Victor Hansen came up with Chicken Soup for the Soul. That's and, right. That's and I right. got to meet Mark Victor Hansen. I spent a, quite a bit of time with him. I had lunch with him. And I was with him while he had the concept of Chicken Soup for the Soul and had not yet published the first book. Those are a great series, too. Yeah. Well, I don't know how many millions of copies they've sold. There's so many different and ones. different languages. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was brilliant. Well, we're going to end with one more song. Our friend Paul Thorne. Can't. He was a great guest. Oh, you can't. you got to love Paul Thorne. you got to love this song. You, you, we can't end the show without this song. What shirt was I wearing yesterday? Your hottie toddy. Holy hottie toddy. Holy hottie toddy shirt. Love everybody. So that's, that's you and that's Paul Thorne. All right. We'll see you next week. I love you. Love you too, Tom. Thank you.
Hey folks, this is Robert Rankin Walker here with Chords, Vines and Dines. So excited to be talking to you guys. <laughs> 